0: Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that tackles your freelance challenges one episode at a time. I'm your co-host, Katie Carlisle, and... I'm kind of from two businesses at the moment because I'm just transitioning over to a new brand. So I am formerly of The Wheel Exists and now I'm also Squarespace Queen, um, but I do
1: Squarespace web design and training. And I'm your other co-host Michelle Pratt and I'm a personal development trainer and coach and my business is Dive Deeper Development. And so
0: Michelle, what are we gonna be talking about today? I would I wish I could know
1: what was gonna be in the future. Hmm, only there's some way of predicting. Yes, we're gonna talk a little bit about future casting and predicting the future today. So what, what Kate and I have been thinking is, wouldn't it be good if you could predict what the future holds for your business? And at the time of recording, we're in a very, very uncertain time. So that begs the question, how can you predict what the future holds and how can you make decisions now that are gonna prepare you for and benefit you in the months and years to come? So dust off your crystal ball. Uh, we're gonna show share some future <laughs> casting tips and techniques. And by the way, Katie, future casting is an actual career. I came across this a few years ago. It is legit full-time job. And there are people whose full time job it is just to study data trends and do this analysis and spot these trends and then predict what's going to happen to the future. Now, that requires a lot of data analysis and I'm a bit crap at that. So assuming you don't have a data center in your basement, I've got some slightly easier tips of how we can prepare (laughs) for the future. (laughs) Ah,
0: Cool. Okay, so how can we get started? Actually, before we do that, um, I'm, I'm experimenting with recording this podcast outside so i apologize if there's any background noise um i'm just trying to make the most of lockdown life and so yeah there might be like an raf plane flying overhead or a noisy cat i'll try and edit it out in post as it were um but anyway yeah apologies if there is some background noise no it's so, for michelle future future future
1: Future, yeah. So we thought, look, I was thinking, you know, at the moment, as I say, there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty about in the moment, and people are very uncertain and unsure about what the future holds. So I was kind of thinking, like, well, okay, what if I were to do this for my business about a little workshop or some stuff I could do on myself and my business that would help me prepare for that? And I think, like a lot of people, we've all been doing a lot of re evaluating and reflecting. So hopefully, both Kate and I will share some tools and ideas with you that will help you do that a bit more methodically rather than just waking up at 3 a.m with all this stuff going round your head. So here's how we could capture it. <laughs> I, think, I think the first first one is just to scan the hor- horizon. I want to start with a couple of oldies but goodies. And one of the first things my mind turned to, and that I've used many times over the years, is to do a little PESTLE analysis. Now this is a classic, and many people know about a PESTLE analysis. You may have done it on some management training thing before, you've read about it at university or, or whatever. Um, but very few people use it and very few people use it well. So I just wanna kind of bring this up, and this is a great way of understanding why we are where we are, but it's also really good for thinking what might come in the future. And quite simply, PESTEL stands for six factors, which if you were to analyze them or to, to consider them, would give you a view of pretty much what's going on in the world. And the, and, and PESTEL stands for political, economic, social, technological, legal, and environmental, so a classic one here, Katie, would be COVID nineteen. Um, it's our, you know it affects our, our politics, and actually our, pol- our politics affects the, the, our handling of the of the crisis. You've got the impact economically that's going to have you've got the social impact like we're now socially distancing we're isolated from each other you've got the technology everyone's scrambling to go online you've got legal stuff there's been new laws introduced there's probably going to be a change to ir35 and tax laws for freelancers in future which is also economic and then you've got the environment factor which is the world is healing so you can start to see when you start to look at these six factors the things that are in play which kind of gets things um which kind of puts us where we are. But if you can start to look at those six factors and find information in all those six areas, it should give you a picture of what's coming over the horizon too. So you could use webinars, blogs, industry publications, use your informal or formal networks to gather information on those six factors to see if you can spot what's coming. And, and Katie, I was gonna ask you there, are there any particular blogs or any sort of tips you give someone where they're trying to predict what's happening out there where could they turn for information what do you use for your business that was what i was going to say is like rather
0: than trying to scramble to do all of it yourself try and find people who are already collecting this information and putting it in a nice kind of easy to digest form for you so like ipsy are one of them so that's the society association for people who are freelance it stands for independent professionals and self-employed and they're kind of collating all of the information so to carry on your COVID-19 example they're collecting all the information around resources for freelancers um, tips on coping but they're also doing a lot of work with the government to fight to get freelancers a fair deal and so they're updating us about what the kind of um, not just the short term impact is but like you were saying before there's this you know IR35 which is the the kind of rule that means that you're if if they can if HMRC consider you to be an employee rather than a freelancer then you have to go on somebody's payroll and it's quite controversial for a lot of reasons that I won't go into here but they're a good source of um of that kind of yeah that sort of keeping you up to date in a nice digest manner they have a policy newsletter which sounds really boring but actually you know it's kind of gathering all the information there so even if you just scan over it and there's nothing relevant it's still quite useful. Um but they also have a few different arms so they have a magazine called Modern Work which has got lots of really good articles from freelancers and it's a bit more of a sort of you know creative freelancer publication. So I think yeah Ipsy is a really good place to start even if you just like follow them on Twitter and sign up for their newsletter you don't have to be a member to get the benefit from it as well. But obviously if you join the membership you get extra perks. Um, I th- someone who's been a brilliant at putting together information and resources for freelancers is actually a guy called Dave Smith um, from WorkNotes. So he's a freelance web designer, but he's also got a side project called um, WorkNotes, and he does, he's been brilliant, he's really good at the kind of financial and the analytical side of it so he's been really good at putting information out there um i've also collected some stuff on freelance folk as well so if you get to the freelance folk website there's links of all the information that relate to like coronavirus stuff there um, but yeah i think even post post covid uh, work notes is a really good one to look at um i'm trying to think if there's anything else in particular that i've subscribed to i can't there's nothing that comes to mind at the moment but i think even just like being in being in the Facebook groups for different freelance communities or or, the, or even ones that are on different channels I think you kind of get a good picture about what people are talking about and what challenges people are facing and that can kind of help maybe more with the with the sort of SWOT analysis which I know we're going to talk about in a minute um, but I think yeah if you've got I mean we, we've got a WhatsApp group and there's a chap in our WhatsApp group called Ether who's like so on the ball with like Policy and government stuff, and a lot of what he says is really clever, and I don't understand it. But (laughs) he's he's a really good person to like to sort of point stuff out to us. And he, you know, did a really good example of why it's worth furloughing yourself if you're a limited company director and things like that. So yeah. I think just find those people in your network who just you know the people that you know who are just really clever and just know stuff and just kind of ask them what's going yeah, on definitely. and ask them where
1: they get their information as well what about yeah. you michelle
0: have you got any sources yeah you-
1: and again this isn't just stuff for freelancers are out there in the world but just in every industry there are people who do this too so every every year uh, there's a guy called donald h taylor and he, he runs the learning and skills group and he's interested in learning technologies so every year he does this webinar with towards maturity who are consulting group. And he gathers, uses his massive network to gre- to gather data about what trainers are really interested in. So he knows what's hot. Uh, but he also knows what business is interested in and surveys them. And there's normally a massive disparity between the tra- what trainers think is hot and what the businesses think are hot. But he works with this consultancy company and they do the webinar every year and they produce a white paper every year. And, uh, you know, whenever I've gone, when I've worked for a company and I've gone back into the company and said, look, um, I've been on this webinar, here's, here's, some, here's what I've got and here's the data uh people find that really valuable. when I work as a self-employed person, you know, when I'm freelancing, people find that really valuable that I can give that extra value. So I know there's a lot of freelancers out there who are really awesome at what they do and they want to get their head down and just get on with the doing because that's the bit they're passionate about. But I think you give extra value to people when you keep one eye on the future and do the trends. And like you say, Katie, you don't even have to do the legwork. You can just find a few good sources and there's loads of consultancies out there. There's loads of networking groups. And like you say, we've got Ether of Excel analysis he he is great at predicting what's coming down the line because he follows the data and he's great at teaching it to people so look out for those people those networks and I know it's not as sexy as doing the client jobs but it's something that I think equips your business and and uh, pleases your customers as well
0: yeah and just actually another person that's doing a lot of good stuff is um uh, margin Christina from Museum Freelance if you're in the cultural sector they're doing a lot of stuff to disseminate information for people in that sector about yeah kind of everything to you know again just outside of the coronavirus stuff that they're really helpful in terms of sharing good practice and they have a, they, they normally have a regular conference every year where people can get together and share ideas and I think things like attending industry conferences is a really good way of doing it because that's where people are talking about the new ideas and that's where you can kind of connect with other people and share ideas and there's normally with any industry conference there's normally some kind of looking forward element to it so I think that's a good place to start if you're not sure where to start and I think the other thing is if you know that you're someone that just like really struggles to kind of process this information yourself then see if you can find someone to help you process it like either a business coach or a, cons- you know someone like that or, or just you know pay somebody who is really good at it to kind of go okay could you kind of just just sort of distill this for me. How does this, what does this mean for my business? Look for, look for oh, a nice just, infographic.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good. Um, yeah, and so the other, so then, Katie, the other thing I was thinking here, so that's the, the you know, the the, the value and, and how you can find things out, out there generally but also in your industry but I think it's also useful to, to work on yourself so I just wanted to share a couple of things you could do to do your own mini workshop or just a little reflection exercise as you're listening to the podcast. If you've got a pen and paper, g- grab them and Katie mentioned a SWOT analysis earlier earlier now this is another oldie and a goodie and if you've been in any kind of corporate company training you may have come across it and it simply stands for strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats and this this comes in two parts again a lot of people don't use it or don't use it well so the strengths and weaknesses are kind of internal so this is the stuff that's in here this is uh, qualities that you possess or, or perhaps not and the opportunities and the threats is stuff that's out there. So it's a really nice a little quick analysis you can do with yourself of qualities that you have or don't have, but also what's out in the in the wider environment. Um, and it's good to take good to take stock. And uh, Katie, Katie, I've answered some of these questions with each other uh, on our businesses recently, and it's quite a useful exercise. So, you know, you could just grab a pen and paper and think, well, what are my strengths? What is my unique value? Um, what do I have in the marketplace that maybe others don't? What do I do for my clients or my customers that they get from me that they're not going to get from other people? And we've said many times in the podcast, we don't have to be best. And we don't have to be first, we've got to be the right fit. And um, And so on what you're passionate about as well, what is the kind of work that when you do it, are are you really in in the zone? Because when you work on that basis, you're going to be doing so much better. And then on the weaknesses side, I would just, this could either be either skills that you don't yet possess that you think would be useful. And when I talk to people about doing personal development plans, I always say, look, pick a skill that's useful for now, and then pick a skill that's useful for the future, you know, work on that or weaknesses could be your business model so if you're finding at the moment that um you can't uh, serve your clients at distance very easily it it, Katie I was talking about this you know we've known that the world has been going online for some time yet some people haven't made the offering and she was shocked when I told her just a few minutes ago that Primark posted 650 million pounds worth of sales last month and have made zero pounds in sales this month which is incredible isn't it Katie
0: yeah, I didn't know they didn't have an online offering. Like I don't shop at Primark. It stresses me out and I worry about their ethics, but like I didn't I didn't even know that you couldn't shop online with them. And I I couldn't believe that they weren't yeah, set up for that and like the the I guess you know that that's their business model works very well under a particular set of circumstances, but then utterly falls apart. And you know, like like we were saying just before the podcast we were having a quick chat about this episode and we were saying, you know, very few people would have predicted how this you know pandemic would unfold in exactly the way that it has but like you were saying michelle there have been signs that businesses have been moving online for a very long time i mean the the very kind of frequently cited one is the netflix versus blockbuster situation where blockbuster clung resolutely to the to the physical store whilst netflix moved online and ultimately netflix One and now it'll be interesting to see now that more people are starting to do streaming services how Netflix will fare against them as well and so I think it's really interesting to you know that it's not like okay well now Netflix did that they're now you know the champions of the world and they'll always be a viable business model, it's kind of a constant reflection, so I think for us, for anything like you're doing, you know, with a SWOT analysis or any kind of business strategy, it's not just a case of, alright, you sit down and you do it and then it's good for 5-10 years, you do need to keep revisiting it and looking at the changing, you know, world around and also like you were saying Michelle you're changing skills but also what you want from yeah. life as well um, you know, that's something you always ask me whenever we have our coaching sessions, Is like what's your why what's the purpose of doing all of this you know um and my you know, my now I'm living by the sea and I've got access to be able to do water sports post lockdown um my priorities are a bit different because I want something that's a bit more flexible so like in the past I've always wanted to I've always shied away from doing pre-recorded online courses but I've had sort of but I've always had them you know I've always had the idea in the back of my mind so I've been you know not I've not wanted to do it unless I could fully commit to it but now I'm like okay now I'm at the point where I want the flexibility to not be tied to being at a particular place at a particular time so I can take advantage and go out and surf if there's good conditions therefore it's now the right time for me to do online courses it just so happens that it's also the right time for the world to do them as well and you know I probably could have done them slightly earlier and then had it ready for or the pandemic stuff but I think one of the other things is just to kind of accept that you know yes I could have done that but that might have had a negative impact on some other element of my life so it's not that I was wrong to do it then and you know what what were you saying last last episode you know the best time to do something was six months know, ago the past, yeah the next best time yeah but the next best time to start it is now so yeah I think with anything like this if you're kind of you know If you're looking at your strengths or your weaknesses and opportunities and threats and things and kind of going, ah, yeah, actually there was a sign for that a while ago and I missed it. Don't kick yourself too much about it because you can still capitalise on it and also yeah situations are going to change so what can you do now to prepare for the next opportunity if you miss the last one
1: yeah that's, that's so true katie and I, I think this is why looking at your strengths and your weaknesses are absolutely key and like you say know your why what you're passionate about what you're interested in and, and i think that inward focus is really important and looking at yourself because like you say I, i've done online workshops for facilitation for a long time other people have now started to do this and you are say well netflix will they stay ahead of the game now that everyone's got into online streaming but it, again I, like you say you revisit it and you ask these questions it's like yeah okay so I've been ahead of the game for a while but I've mastered this skill which are people only just um, uh, acquiring they're acquiring it now as of necessity but I have it in spades so I not only can I give that now but now I can start to look to the future while everyone else is scrambling to deal with the present so this is where this inner kind of what you what's your unique value what do you love what you're skilled at what is your why what is your purpose but also what are some of the potential weaknesses or gaps as well and then so we have just went looking here. and then the other part of a SWOT is to look at the opportunities and the threats. And of course, that's all the stuff that's out there. So there's a few opportunities, and we, we, Kate and I were discussing the other week just some questions that we can ask ourselves. So, for example, perhaps do a little survey of your business. So, what elements of your um, business are the most profitable? What makes you the most money? But also, what gets you the quickest money? So if you need cash quickly in a crisis, which are the bits, the things you can sell today or offer today that gets money for the door? But also ask yourself, what needs do you solve now um, and in the future? or What will your customers need going forward? And you might start, to, so this is where you scan the horizon, you might start to be hearing this in your groups and in your network. But also, what is their demand for? So what are you being asked for as well what have people over the last few months said Do you know what I'd love it if you'd offer this or what are they asking you for now that they didn't know they needed till this all went off um, I don't know Kate any other questions you could ask yourself about opportunities in your, in your business it's a really spot yeah I think just like
0: looking at what other people are talking about like you say like questions that people are asking not necessarily directly to you but like in in groups like on facebook or in online communities you know when people are asking questions what are they struggling with um but i think as well like just what 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 kind of aligns just kind of going back to what i was saying last time like what what's going to make you really excited because that's going to be more likely that you'll actually follow through with it and do it well um, so, I think like I read, um, I think it was the Do lectures, they sent an email out and it said, what's the, what's the area where you just, you know, add the most value? What's the thing that you really like, make a difference? You should be spending 80% of your time doing that. And I really like that idea that it's kind of actually, yeah, focusing on the, 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 the sort of the strengths, but turning that into the opportunity, really, because I think they are very closely linked um yeah in terms of other questions what you know what trends are there in in the world there's cert, you know there's tools that you can use like um google's got one i think it's called zeitgeist which will tell you what people are searching for there's a really cool one i came across the other day um it's called glimpse I think the website is com, and they've got a, a covid track trends tracker and on it you can you can see basically what search inquiries have spiked that you might not have thought about. But when you see it, you're like, oh, yeah. So like DIY haircuts has had like a 730% increase in searches. Alarmingly, bulk ammo has also had a 300% increase in searches. Um, Online church services, things like that. So again, to look for opportunities, you can scan things like that. If you look down the list, you know, yeah, if you're a hairdresser and you're kind of thinking, oh, I, you know, I can't do anything whilst I'm on lockdown. If people are looking for advice on DIY haircuts, I have seen people starting to post YouTube videos saying, right, I'm going to talk you through how to do it at home. And just because other people are doing it already, like we said earlier, you don't have to be the first. You know, if you can if you can reach out directly to your existing clients, if you have their details, or even if you don't, you know, if you've got a social media following or anything like that, a newsletter or anything like that, then you can reach out. If you haven't got any following, then you've still probably got a network of family and friends and everyone has hair apart from people who don't. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) unless, unless they're bald or shave their head already, um, then, you know, a lot of the population has hair that needs tending to and, and like, are struggling during lockdown. So there's opportunities there to offer them support. And also you might not be, you might not be somebody that does the, so, so you might not be a hairdresser, but if you know hairdressers, then, and you're an expert in um, how to record good videos can you reach out to them and offer them support on how to create the best video and how to set up so that they can you know make sure that you get the right angles to show people how to do their hair so it's the, the trends analysis is a really interesting thing especially if you're a bit of a geek about stuff like that which i am and i think looking at that it's just think think beyond the initial thing to say okay who are the people that could capitalize on that opportunity do they need support and think about it that way
1: yeah if you've got a new offering you know and you do marketing you could offer that to somebody else so don't just look at that and think oh that's not nothing to my industry like you said katie there's collaboration and even the online churches you know that to me says people want their spiritual needs met still and as a coach i could do like the more sort of therapy life coach end of things maybe that's something that people are interested in so again it tells you to what the opportunities are out there but again katie yeah definitely agree with you that you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel you can literally just use whatever data someone else somebody else somewhere is doing this data and and, and c- compiling this. So definitely use it for opportunities. And the ultimate really is where the demand and the need meets with what you like. So look at your strengths, look at your weaknesses, and then look at the opportunities that you can spot out there and where they meet in the middle. I'm, I'm seeing a sort of Venn diagram out there. It might be that that Japanese thing, iki, Ikiyagi iki, or whatever it is, where they all meet in the middle. That's your, that's your sweet spot.
0: I think sometimes... It's not about kind of waiting for the opportunities to present themselves. Sometimes you have to actively seek them out. So you might need to go and ask questions to people to find the answers. And so if you've got previous clients, can you know can you reach out to them? And we mentioned this in the previous episode, but can you reach out to previous clients and say, what are you struggling with at the moment? How can I help? And there's ways, you know, nice ways to do that without seeming like you're profiteering from the current situation.
1: Yeah, definitely. So something I've been thinking about in, in, in my business as well. And one of the reflections I had was, I had all this knowledge and, and skill about online training, which has been hugely in demand. So I've been really, uh, just really busy. But I thought I had this before and I was toying with these subjects. So I already had these subjects, these uh, topics like leading remote teams, managing remote teams, all of this stuff. I already had it in my back pocket that I'd already sort of half designed. I was able to sell it to other businesses quickly. I was going to do it for myself, but I've sold it to other businesses. Um, so I had those products developed. But I always had them in the pipeline, but we always struggled with how to get them out there. And the one thing that this has all taught me is like I didn't wasn't very good at communicating the need or the opportunity to people. And that had I said, oh, my God, to these people, oh, my God, what if everything you couldn't do face to face? What if you needed to go online tomorrow? I could have created that urgency and need for people. that didn't. So I've learned a question about marketing. So there's an opportunity in there for me as well as well. And uh, how you? how you take those opportunities to i could have created the opportunity i suppose is what i'm saying and i yeah i think as well like you know we're talking about the future on this episode it's not just the future
0: for you it's the future for the potential customers and clients that you're serving as well so like you you know say like look look out for the opportunities for yourself but like also what are the opportunities and also the threats which we're going to come on to you know what are the threats for your customers or your potential customers and can you create an opportunity from that before it happens you know as a, a, like a risk management thing that i used to work for a sustainability nonprofit and one of the organizations that they worked with we asked them you know what what made you decide to come and work with with the company and they said it was a risk management issue because they said sustainability isn't going to you know it's only going to get more and more relevant and People are going to get more and more interested in it, and we want a bit like you were saying with your training, Michelle. You said we don't want to be the ones that are scrambling to play catch up. We want to make sure that we're ahead of the game, and we're already established as a company that has been talking about it for a long time because we perceive a risk to our business if we don't do that. So, I just thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. And with that, Kate, we talk, talked about the opportunity. Shall we talk a bit about threats? But what that's on the on the on the horizon and so yeah the other things look out for is what might disturb or disrupt your business so at the time of recording we're very much in the in the COVID-19 pandemic but um you know that no one could have predicted that and we're not suggesting that anybody could but it, there are things questions you can ask yourself or things you can Although, do you to predict. be fair like they couldn't have predicted it would fold in exactly the way it has
0: but there have been signs around you know things like um avian flu and SARS and MERS and they have been you know largely contained before but you know there have been signs that there's been a risk of a widespread virus for a while and there's been signs you know from a from a weather and kind of um what's the word not geographic but like environmental perspective you know floods and storms and things cut cut people off and so i think there are sometimes ways to kind of not think that oh yeah it would definitely work out like this but i think there's there's there are signs if you kind of look back there were clues that stuff like this could have happened but yeah no one could have foreseen it would work out exactly like this
1: yeah, definitely. So I, I, yeah, that's where we talk about those pestle factors. Again, like you say, Katie, if you just look at what's gone on in the past with those and also what lies in the future, we can do it. So it's true. I, so, what can you do, I suppose, to, to understand the threats? Well, let's look at the business point of view as opposed to the world as general. And um, I just want to share with you Porter's five forces. And again, if you if you haven't looked into this, you can Google it. It's quite a famous model. You may have come across it. But for the purposes of this podcast, just to sort of ponder maybe five things about your business. So, if you want to know where your industry is going, Going, here are five things you can think about that might give you some clues as to what might come in the future now what porter said there were five things to keep an eye on he said the first one was the threat of new entrants and so a question to ask yourself here is how is it e- how easy is it for people to come into your business so for kate your example um there are so many template website building templates now that pretty much anyone could learn how to use them and make a website. I don't think they can make a good website, but it's becoming more accessible. I think actually it's, that's really interesting because I, I kind of inadvertently did
0: that because people asked me about it and I was like, actually, yeah, that would be good. So like, one yeah, the, a potential threat to me is more people becoming Squarespace web designers because it's now easier to do that and make websites for other people. So yeah, one of the threats is people making it for themselves. And the other threat is people, other people kind of doing the same job as me so one thing that I offer is I will train people who want to who maybe are already freelance and do like graphic design or copywriting or a business coach or whatever and they want to kind of increase the, you know, pivot and increase their offer their services to include website design as well so I basically teach people to be my competitors but that gets me money and ultimately they're probably not going to be competitors in terms of the space that I'm working in and you know there's very few people that we've talked in the past you know i say i don't have competitors in that like no one has my same skill set and background and everything And a lot of my work now is training and so i do, do still web design but i've got enough coming in through word of mouth that i'm fairly confident that you know global pandemics notwithstanding <laughs> that in the future i'll be able to keep that ticking over so that's one of the things i've done because of that potential threat i've kind of gone okay well if this person's they're going to do it anyway i may as well help them and then get some money out of it rather than just being a competitor yeah definitely um and then similarly with other people who are doing their own websites the training element of that that i offer again it's like yeah if they're going to do it and they're not going to be a client let me at least help them along the way and get some money out of it so i think that definitely is like for for a threat it's created quite a lot of Opportunities, Yeah, and
1: that's the thing, Katie, you saw you saw the threat there and actually were able to work with it. I mean, for me as well, you know, I do training, I, t- I, help, I help people train things, but lots of people are teaching online these days. Now, I suggest that there's suddenly different things, but people may not, you know, the customers may not make a distinction. So you've got to think about how easy is it for someone to get into the market you're in. Um, and, and that, and there's a few things to consider there. But Katie and I have talked about skill set there, but there's also costs as well. So are most people willing to put the costs in associated? Are most people willing to put the training in to come and do it? Um, is there a lot of paperwork or legal stuff or qualifications that you need? And obviously the higher the barriers to entry, the lower the threat of new in. So that's one. There, there are a couple here that go hand in hand. One is the bargaining power of suppliers to put your costs up. So whoever provides you with software or, with Physical goods uh, or cases of Squarespace, if they rocketed their prices up, I use various platforms. What if my membership fees shot up? My uh, costs would suddenly become very high. So I have to think about that. So there's a lot of competition between them. But on the other side of that is the bargaining power of buyers. So do my clients and customers have the opportunity to drive my price down? So if they perceive, or if there is a lot of people in the marketplace doing what I do, can they, would there be a price war and can they actually negotiate with me on price if they think they can get a better deal elsewhere so a couple of bits there and actually that's
0: the because of a lot of people are struggling financially at the moment I think that's come into that the, the bargaining power of buyers element too is because you know people are asking more can i get a discount on this can i get this for free can i get and understandably and you know where i can accommodate that i have been but ultimately i've also got my own business so it's about working out okay what can i still charge for but yeah if if all my clients came and said actually we can't afford to pay the full price can we pay less then that would have a significant impact on my yeah. cash flow and my financial kind of stability
1: long term yeah the other other challenge there is you know at the moment some people a lot of people are giving away a lot of free stuff to extend a lot of goodwill so if you're trying to charge for something and people are giving away for free that makes it very difficult to maintain your prices and again i'm not saying here drop them you may do things to a standard that others don't you may want to position yourself brand wise elsewhere but this is where this good in sort of internal reflection is good you know you don't you don't necessarily want to join a race to the bottom but you do have to be aware if people can drive your prices down so there's that and then another one is threat of substitutes so this is where people don't directly compete with you but they introduce a product or a service which makes your product or service um unnecessary so you cut out the middleman if you like or people substitute things and people won't always substitute rationally either so people say oh michelle i don't need to do your uh, online facilitated workshop because someone's done an online course i can watch in video learning and i would suggest that the output isn't the same but if people Perceive that it is that I might find myself replaced or automated. How many people are using yeah. accountancy software yeah. who used to have accountants? So this is a tricky yeah. one.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. I think like like an example now, like there's a you know with um so Coconuts, the bank account we both use. They should totally sponsor this podcast because we're always going on about them. And um, So they're they're like a they're really good bank for freelancers and. I've always submitted my tax return through a, a separate kind of portal and um, there's a company called simple tax who make it really easy for you to submit your tax return however now I've got all the data in coconut if you know i have a feeling they've got some way of now submitting it automatically to hmrc i need to check um but if they did that then i wouldn't need to use this other service um i think like you were saying as well like michelle it's not always a kind of obvious correlation but like you know if like the newer version of squarespace is easier to use for people who are doing the kind of diy approach so then that means that they need less training and therefore they you know they don't or they they don't perceive that they need as much training and actually the things that I probably help them with are not the things that Squarespace have made easier but they've made it easier for to create you know to kind of actually build it but there's a lot of behind the scenes things that I can help signpost people too but I think if they feel like oh yeah this is actually quite easy then they can just launch it without Needing any extra support, yeah. And
1: of course, you offer the consultancy as well, which, which is not good. not there. But so people can substitute the, the probably the tech, but they can't substitute the person. But we have to think about these things, you know. And, and most jobs now are at threat of AI. Mm. There are even people building bots that supposedly can offer coaching. Now, I think coaching is one thing I doubt people will ever want via bots but if you or if you're a performance coach that simply goes through the grow model yeah you could probably do a bot that could help someone through that uh, very easily if you're talking about an online bot that could coach someone by looking at their body language looking about the emotions picking up on key questions they're not there yet but they could be in the future but who would have predicted years ago that really highly skilled people like accountants and there's even people substituting doctors now with apps that will diagnose you now i think that's crazy yeah. but these highly skilled highly trained people <laughs> the and the the brett rose basic they were being usurped potentially by software i mean it could happen so yeah Yeah, mad and i think that that's the thing like one of the things that i i
0: I remember thinking a couple of years ago so when we first talked about moving to anglesey we were thinking about maybe doing a b&b as well and so and, and our logic was if everything you know if everything gets automated like if if everything gets ai and there's a bot for it and everything the one thing that people will always need to do physically is to travel they'll all you know you can't do virtual travel so therefore they'll always have they'll always want to go into the seaside and they'll have to physically come in and stay somewhere of course <laughs> that's, if i'd banked on that <laughs> that would have my hypothesis would have been completely wrong so i think you know there's no guarantee with any of this and that's i think why sometimes people are kind of a bit put off with trying to predict the future because maybe they've tried to do it in the past and they've got it wrong or there's something that's come up that they can't predict but i still think it's worth doing because it's it's better than it completely blindsiding you and uh, you know even if you do get it wrong you've got then an opportunity to assess it and you're kind of you've got those skills to be able to kind of step back and redo the process again. yeah definitely
1: I, I think you could, like you say, you could, you could become could be forewarned for, for arms. And I think a lot of people now are finding that if they only had one method of delivery, that their business model is breaking down, whereas probably they're realising that they need to, to, to have some some alternatives. And then the final one is competitive rivalry. Um, how competitive is uh, the marketplace that you're in? If there's a lot of competition, it's very, very competitive. You may find there is a price war, or you may find that uh, compet- in some industries, people use legislation to really block each other. So think about Samsung and Apple using patents against each other. I would suggest that's not great, but that could be quite toxic and it could be very hard to compete. Um, There are pros and cons to being in a competitive industry. We talked about a rising tide lifts all ships. There are definitely pros, but there are cons as well. There are pros and cons to a very uncompetitive marketplace also. But consider that the pros and cons of how competitive the marketplace is too.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because actually the project that... um... I run with my partner. He works full time on it, and I'm kind of dabble um, when I'm not (laughs) as busy with website stuff. Um, But I'm like the creative inspiration, and so that's like a directory software for websites. And at the moment, we don't have a ton of competition in terms of people that you know, other, other, um, other software that allows you to add a directory website to Squarespace, for example. Like, there's not really very much else out there but i think that is in itself a threat because it's only a matter of time before somebody sees our name mentioned in quite a few places and goes oh people are people are talking about this people want this i'll make my own version of it so then it's like okay like so so we're just waiting there's going to be somebody who makes a competitor to it because they'll see that ours is you know moderately successful and we just got to brace ourselves for that and look at okay, what do we offer that they don't? So if they just put something together, quick you know, they could just copy all our features, you know, they could log in, set, set up an account and copy all our features. So then it's like, what well, it sets us apart? Okay, well, the customer service that we offer is really good. And, the, you know, we've spent the last two years getting to know our customers and we know what matters to them. And there's a reason behind some of the features that other people might not kind of capture. And, we, you know, we've got our existing customer base that we can reach out to and say, how can we help you? and and try and make sure that we retain them as customers rather than lose them. But that's definitely a threat for us. The fact that we don't have competitors is actually more of a threat because there's more likely that people will yeah. copy
1: And you've seen companies like Facebook swallow whole uh, Instagram or WhatsApp it, because they were you know rivals so it's always a bit of a bit. Of...
0: Yeah if someone wants to buy us out for millions of
1: pounds I'm happy yeah, with that. Yeah go with it Yeah, you know, not, not sticking to the mission. <laughs> and a, a company I think who have done that really well you know a brew dog um, they were always interested in putting more good craft beer in the world and rather than using competitors or where people have stolen their ideas they've actually responded really well and rather than seeing their competitors competitors they've done collaborations with them and actually sell their beers through their sites and bars and their attitude was look, the more good beer there is out there in the world, the more demand there is for good beer. And we always fancy ourselves to be in there. So they've gone for the collaborate rather than compete. So their attitude is the more people create demand, we'll always have a good slice of the pie. So something to consider. So that the whole thing about a SWOT analysis, really, it's not creating lists of your strengths, your weaknesses, your th- opportunities and your threats, just making four lists. It's what are the trends that come out of this? What are the reflections that you have? What is the story of the narrative? If you had to present it to somebody else, like your best friend or one of your customers as, as a narrative you know like a pitch what would what would you tell people and it's that kind of story all those trends or that reflection that comes out of those four things when you put the, all four of them together what does that say about you what does it say about your marketplace and um where does that leave you and i think if you can do that kind of analysis it puts you in a really good place and as katie says we can't tell what the future holds but it at least means we can start to put things in motion develop some skills, explore some markets which give us the opportunity to pivot and I still can't not think about David Swimmer and Friends when we use that word but it gives you the opportunity to pivot if you have to. I think the... I've lost my train
0: of thought now. (laughs) I was going to say something super interesting. Oh, God, what if it's really profound and it's lost forever?
1: I know, I know. (laughs) If it comes to me, I'll let you know. But Kate, uh, just just the kind of last one we were talking about, you know, how you you can't tell what happens in the future. So, no, to some degree, there is no point in coming up with a... Oh, I've remembered. Go on then, go with it. (laughs) I was just going to say, if you're looking towards the future,
0: that's probably going to be something that could potentially help your clients or customers as well because you can you can bring that knowledge to support their businesses and it might give you a bit more credibility if they think that you're somebody that is looking forwards and if they're kind of someone that will kind of keep working with you like one of the things i like about you michelle is that i know you're always reading more personal development stuff you're always looking ahead what uh, kind of the world of personal development things and and looking ahead at situations and so then you can bring that knowledge to me so I think if you are looking towards the future it's not just about serving your business it's about how, how you can use that information to serve your customers and clients boom profound
1: yeah no it it is good and <laughs> i think um it, it no, it's absolutely right and I, I think this is where you can be more of a consultant or a trusted partner to people as opposed to someone who just delivers something P- people love it when you add value and, and solve problems they don't know that they have yet uh it gives them a real sense of, of reassurance and certainty which is which is great and, and anyway sorry i interrupted you <laughs> That's all right. Well, that brings us on to the final point, really, which was, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, Katie said you, you can't predict what's going to happen in the future. And it, we might be put off creating a five-year plan, which people used to go on about a lot, you know, in the past, um, because it's going to change, and this is true. So how can we be certain? Because a lot of people are feeling very unsettled, very unsure about themselves right now and thinking, I don't know what way to turn. And I just want to leave you with this, I say to Katie, like a Jerry Springer kind of profound message at the end, um, which is this, you can't tell what the future holes. So don't look for your certainty out there and goodness sake don't go on social media to look for certainty in the world. But what you can do is look inward. And what I would do is is if I'm looking for reassurance or sort of a feeling of being safe or certain I would look inside myself because You can't know what's out there, but you can know you. So um, you can be certain, for example, of how hard you are going to work at your business that you can be absolutely sure of in the future. You could be certain of how committed you are to your business and how passionate you are about your customers and what you do. You could be certain in your resilience or your innovation because you've done this before. And you could be certain that you've got through worse. If, like Katie and I, you've been through recessions in the past, you know that you've 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 dealt with worse, and you couldn't be absolutely sure that no matter what the future holds you'll do whatever it takes to make a success of your business now that you will know about the future for sure
0: and i feel like we should just stop there because that was so awesome (laughs)
1: well that's it that's all you need to know
0: (laughs) (laughs) however we do always end each episode with a little kind of takeaway point where we each choose one thing that would help to solve this problem um if we could only choose one thing what would it be so michelle for you if you were worrying about the future, what one thing would you suggest to people?
1: Um what I probably do Katie is is what you've mentioned something that I, I do is just put aside some time uh, each perhaps each month just uh, in your business just to just see what's out there. Just attend sign up for webinars, industry events, pick the ones that interest you, but sort of find out those sources of information so that you don't have to spend a huge amount of time in it. You can just uh, have that information at your t- fingertips tips and that can inform your business planning.
0: I think for me I would probably say plan for the future so that you can deviate from it. Planning for for a future and kind of course correcting as you go along as it changes than not doing any planning at all. Like if I go on holiday I have everything planned to military precision but I do that so that we can be flexible and we can change our minds, not to make us kind of set with one path. But if we have a plan then I'm like, okay, that's the baseline. That's my kind of plan. But
1: we can change it if we want to. Yeah, it's better to have something on the table which either you can then remove or change than to have nothing on the table because then you've yep. got the mental load of of then deciding what do i do with well, these you've made a decision you can go well that was right or it was wrong and i can correct it so i think you're right katie and i think it's a common theme there of making this part of your bu- your business uh you know operation so yeah that's a that's a top tip from us
0: far well as always we want to hear from you guys how are you how are you doing are you okay um you know we we've got our list of problems but we realize that there's a whole new subset of problems that people are experiencing at the moment as, we, as we're recording this during the coronavirus uh, pandemic so if there's any problems that you'd like us to tackle let us know of course we've got our back catalogue which deals with a lot of things so we talk about isolation we talk about you know, finding the right environment to work in. I know that's challenging at the moment because you don't necessarily have the flexibility to create the perfect work environment, but have a look and see if there's, you know, items in our previous episodes that can help you deal with some of the challenges that you're facing. But if there's anything specific you'd like us to cover, then let us know. We're gonna try and get back into a bit more of a rhythm of recording them um, now that we've both sort of settled into the new routine. Um, So hopefully they'll go back to being, weekly or at least more frequent than they have been of late Um, but we're well over halfway now so we're going to keep cracking on to 99 um and so yeah let us know if there's anything we can help with and we will see you next time for another episode of 90 problems but a boss ain't one